Let's turn again to Isaiah chapter 6. We began looking at this this morning, and I remind you, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. And my prayer is, in the year that Queen Elizabeth died, that we would see the Lord. What this country needs is a fresh vision of God. What this church needs, what you need, is a fresh view of God. That's exactly what Isaiah saw. We looked this morning. If you weren't here, then I encourage you to go back and study that part of the scriptures. But we'll pick up tonight where we left off this morning. And I remind you, we were talking about the holiness of God this morning. Let's read together Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me. For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. And thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. We were looking this morning at these two angels, these seraphim, literally burners. They were burning for the Lord, a light, a blaze for God. And they cried to one another, holy, holy, holy. Interesting, of all the divine attributes of God, this one, holiness, seems to be celebrated more than just about any others in the pages of Scripture. Psalm chapter 62, we find the power of God being mentioned twice. Psalm 62, verse number 11 says, God hath spoken once Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Twice he says power belongs to God. But here we have holy, holy, holy. No other attribute of God is given thrice. And one verse like this. Would you look this way for a moment? Never forget... That the God we serve is a holy God. Tonight, we will look at our response to this holiness. We will look at how we should respond to the revelation of God's greatness and holiness. By the way, this book that you hold in your hand, this is a book of the revelation of God. 
And it is a progressive revelation. God has progressively revealed himself to us in his word. Genesis chapter 1, we, we begin to learn God reveals to us that this world was not an accident, but that God himself spoke and it was created. And little by little, God reveals who he is in the pages of this book. And as we see one thing, we are made ready for the next thing. And so it is in Isaiah chapter 6, as Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, as he saw this great God still seated on the throne, it prepared him to see the next thing. A proper view of God will inevitably lead us to a proper view of everything else. Look what he says in verse number 5. Then said I, after seeing also the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up, after he saw the glory of God filling the temple and the glory of God filling the earth, after he saw these creatures saying, Holy, 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 the Bible says, he said, Then said I, Woe is me. Now I want you to think for a moment. Are you listening? What a response to seeing God in this way. What a response. Why is it that all of a sudden this prophet is now thinking of himself when he has been looking at God so magnificent and glorious above? Why is it all of a sudden he says, Woe is me. Because, let me say it again, a proper view of God will inevitably lead to a proper view of yourself. Did you catch that? You know someone has not actually seen God the way they should see God when all they do is talk about how great they are. A person has never seen the Lord high and lifted up if all they ever do is talk about how great they are and all they've done and all they're going to do. But when you and I get a right view, a right vision of God, we will then see ourselves the way that we should. And the prophet says, woe is me. God is sovereign. God is Lord of all. God is King of kings forever. He's holy, holy, holy. And this response comes after seeing the holiness of God. Now, why did he say this? Surely he should have said, how blessed am I? Surely he should have said, look what I've seen. I've seen the Lord. I've seen these angels crying, holy, holy, holy. Surely he would have said, how blessed am I to have seen such things. But instead he says, woe is me. Why? The scene that he witnessed was breathtaking. A proper view of God will cause you to tremble. Look with me please in verse 4. The Bible says in verse number 4, after seeing these seraphim, these angelic beings above the throne of God, covering their face with two wings and covering their feet with two wings, hiding themselves crying holy, holy, holy. The Bible says in verse 4 that the post of the door moved. 
at the voice of him that cried. And the whole house was filled with smoke. Everything that was stable was shaken by this voice. You know what happens when you get a right view of God? Everything is shaken up. Everything that you thought you knew is shaken up. When you get a right view of God, everything you thought to be true about the world is turned upside down. When you get a right glimpse of God, you stop thinking about yourself and what you're going to do and your plans and your ambitions. And all of a sudden, everything is shaken. The Bible says the doorpost, the post of the door were shaken. That which should be stable was shaken to the core at his voice. That's simply his voice. You say, what voice? Is it the voice of the angels? Maybe. Maybe the voice of the angels saying, holy, holy, holy. The holiness of God being declared. Maybe that was enough to shake the post. Would you look here for a moment? If you understood how holy God would was, it would shake you to your soul. If you and I could see and sense and feel that God is not somebody that we can put our arm around some pal that we can joke around with, that we can be casual with, if we understood that God is thrice holy, then I'm telling you, you would shake and tremble. In fact, many people, when they give a testimony, like Victoria, when they tell about how they were born again, when they became a Christian, a child of God, they'll often talk about how there was a time when they understood like their eyes were open, someone turned the light on, that they had sinned against God. Now that's a vital part of a testimony because why else do you need to be saved unless you understand that you've sinned and that that sin is dragging you to hell, condemning your soul, placing you beneath the judgment of God, that your sin has separated you from God because He's holy and He has no sin, and cannot look upon sin. And when you begin to see how holy he is. And how unholy you are. You shake as well. But maybe it wasn't the voice of the angels. Maybe it was the voice of God. We read it a moment ago at the beginning of this meeting. In the book of Psalm. Psalm chapter 93. I read it as a call to worship. But in Psalm 93. It says that the, the voice of the Lord. The Lord reigneth. Verse 3. The floods have lifted up O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. In the first chapter of Isaiah, God sends the prophet with a judgment to the nation of Israel. And so perhaps as Isaiah sees the Lord... He trembles because he hears the voice of God in judgment. Would you look here for a moment? Most of us have, an, have a 21st century Western idea of God. And it's a wrong idea of God. Most of us think that when we see God, we're going to play games, sit down for a cup of tea, have a nice chat, tell him about our life, and have a grand old time. You got it wrong. Most of us think when we see God, we're going to get up there and have a grand old party. But the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1 that God had given Isaiah a vision and given him something to say. Verse 2 of chapter 1, Hear, O heavens, 
and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Look here for a second. Have you heard the gospel message? Do you know the truth of God's word? Are you following it? If not, you can put your name right in this list. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. They've turned against me. They know what's right, and yet they do not do it. They know the way they should live, and they refuse to do it. They're too busy. They've got better plans. The ox, the cow, knows his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel, my people, doth not know. I don't know what a worse thing could be than people who were raised up by God. God chose them to be His people, to, to declare His name throughout the world. People who knew the Word, who knew the God of the Word, but yet they didn't really know Him. We've recently, as you know, adopted a puppy. That's the last thing we need with six children and number seven on the way, but nonetheless... We found ourselves with a puppy. And do you know it doesn't take long for an animal to identify itself with its owner? It doesn't take long for an animal to become familiar with its owner's voice. It doesn't take long. And a little puppy even can respond to its master, can respond to its owner, can respond maybe to the child that gives it the most attention, whatever. It doesn't take long for them, the puppy, to find his master in a crowd of people. And why is it that we who call ourselves the children of God don't really know our God? We don't really know our God. O oh, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto, unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. And we go on to read of the judgment of God upon the nation of Israel. And perhaps this is the voice that caused the post of the door to shake. Perhaps this is the voice that caused Isaiah to say, Woe is me! The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, a very interesting portion of Scripture, that there's coming a time, it says, Refuse not him. Would you look this way? I want you to listen to this very carefully. In the New Testament, the author of Hebrews says, See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Be careful that you don't reject God. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, God has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain would you look here there's coming a time very soon and i believe it's already begun but there's coming a time when god himself will shake heaven and earth and everything that is not of god 
will be broken to pieces. Only that which is of God will remain, will stand the test of the shaking. And Isaiah the prophet hears the voice of God, feels the shaking in the house of God, and he responds with this, Woe is me. I'm in trouble. That's what he meant. I am in trouble. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that way about God, before God? I can remember when I was 16 years old and I got in trouble with the police and had to go and stand before a judge. I felt sick for days approaching my court hearing. At 16 years old, my stomach was in knots, twisting and turning, and I, was, I couldn't eat and I couldn't sleep. I was nervous because I had to go stand before a judge. But that's nothing compared to the judge of all the earth. I'm in trouble, he said. And the Bible says the house was filled with smoke. Many believe this was a sign that it was dark, that the cloud of God's judgment and anger had settled. Woe is me. When you see God, you'll no longer be moaning about everybody else's sin. Are you listening? When you get a fresh view of God, you'll no longer be looking at everybody else's sin and saying, look how bad she is. Look how bad he is. Oh, they're in trouble. No, 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 no. You will say like Isaiah, woe is me. I am undone. I'm falling apart. It's interesting. In the chapter before this, in Isaiah chapter 5, do you know what Isaiah is doing, the prophet's doing? We find in verse number 8, he says, Woe unto them that join house to house. Verse number 11, Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, and continue until night, until wine inflame them. How many times have we done that? Look at those drunkards. Look at them drinking, from, drinking in the morning, all the way through the day. Ha! They're going to get what they deserve one day. We talk silly like that, don't we? Woe unto them, verse number 18. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope. Verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Verse 21. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine. Woe unto them. He's pointing the finger. Now, that was his job. He was a prophet. He was told to declare, thus saith the Lord. But when he saw God, he changed his tune. When he saw God, it was no longer woe unto them, but it was woe is me. I'm in trouble. The Bible says, he said, I am undone. Literally, I am cut off. I am dead. That's what he was saying. Have you ever been there before? Look here. Have you ever been to the place when you've seen yourself for who you really are and you felt the, the iniquity of your own heart, you felt the darkness of your own life, and you knew that before God you are finished? You ever been there? I don't know that anyone, maybe it's a 
too, too bold of a statement. But I don't know any, it, that anyone really is ever saved until they come to that point when they acknowledge, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. My sin has cut me off. I'm in trouble. I am a man of unclean lips, he says. Now, some people think maybe he was talking about his own personal problem. I don't know. Others think he's just speaking generally. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I, in fact, he says, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. You know what he just did? He just brought himself off of his high horse and put himself on the same level as everybody else. He recognized, I'm no different than anybody else. So instead of, instead of condemning the nation for its sinlessness and godlessness, instead of pointing the finger at all those in the government making bad decisions, instead of decrying all the iniquity of the world, it would do us good to get a right view of God and for us to say, I am undone. I am in trouble. I'm just as bad. I'm just as bad. Now, something beautiful happens. If I left tonight, you'd think, that's a depressing sermon. If we stopped right there, if I were to say, let's bow our heads and pray, you'd say, that's depressing. We're all in trouble. We're undone before God. He's holy, we're not, and we are finished. But it doesn't stop there. Because the Bible says, almost as if God himself was waiting for that response from Isaiah. Would you look here? I believe that tonight God is waiting for you to bow your knee in humility before God and say, God, I am finished. And the Bible says then, after he said, woe is me, I'm undone, I'm unclean, then flew one of those seraphim, those two angels, those two creatures, maybe there are more, but those creatures, those angelic beings that were hovering above the throne of God, one of them, as soon as he said, woe is me, I am undone, I am unclean, the second that God saw that, then came the angel. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me. What an amazing thought that God tonight is waiting for you to humble yourself before him. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. And as soon as he humbled himself, then flew one of the seraphim unto him, having a live coal, a flaming fiery coal. From where? Look what it says. From where? In his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. Oh, what a picture. What a picture. Here comes an angel to this grieving sinner, to this repentant sinner. Here comes an angel from the altar. The altar is a place of sacrifice. The altar is a place of bloodshed. The altar is a place where a lamb is sacrificed for your sake, where the blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven itself. Here comes an angel from the place of sacrifice, from the place of atonement, and he comes with a flaming coal, the Bible says, and he laid it upon my mouth. Why? Because if you remember, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. He went to the problem. 
And would you look this way for a moment? That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ does when you repent of your sins and by faith look unto the Savior. He comes and purges all of your sin with the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. It might be that tonight in this tent or or tonight as you're watching the live stream, that there's someone that you have begun to feel the weight of your sin and you have begun to say like Isaiah, I'm in trouble, God. I know I've sinned against you, Lord. And I I am no better than anybody else. In fact, I'm worse than other people and and I know that I I am in trouble. The Bible says that God, I believe God's waiting, watching for that moment. For you to see your need, but also to see that from the altar, that from the Lord Jesus, as we sing sometimes, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. It's not enough just for you to feel the awfulness of your sin, but you must also believe that Jesus Christ died for that sin. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? That His blood was shed to cover your sin? That when He hung on the cross and was punished as the worst of sinners, He did it because He took your sin upon Himself and was being punished for your sin? Do you believe that? Do you believe that He took your judgment that day when He died on the cross? By faith, we must believe that. That Jesus died for me. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, look, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sin. And this evening, if you would repent of your sins, and by faith look to God, if you would humble yourself and come before Him and say like, the, like that publican, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If you would say like that soldier once said, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Just say the word and it shall be done. If tonight you would say to God, forgive me, Lord, have mercy upon me. I believe with all my heart that He will hear. I believe that there are ministering spirits waiting. I believe that God is waiting to see a repentant heart waiting for you to know that you need Him. And if you will, by faith, come to Him, your sins will be purged away. Now, all of that comes because you've got a right view of God. Would you look here for a moment? I'm very much afraid that many churches today, because they are not preaching God as a holy, righteous God, but instead they're they brought God down to being like one of our best buddies. They brought God down to being like one of us. He's our mate. He's our pal. And because they're not preaching a proper view of God, therefore people are not getting a proper view of themselves. And because people are not getting a proper view of themselves, they don't think they're that bad, and they never come to repentance. And thus churches are filled with unrepentant, therefore unregenerate people who've never actually been born again. We're in trouble. 
We must not bring God down. We must see Him as He is. And when we do, do you know why we don't want to see God as He is? Because when we see Him as He is, we see ourselves for who we are, and nobody likes to see that. I do not like the reality of my own heart. And every, every time we say something like that, somebody says, why don't you lighten up a bit? You're not that bad. Why don't you take it easy? We're not that bad. No, no, no. The problem is we are worse than we even realize. That's the problem. We've got to see the Lord as we should and then recognize. The scriptures say if we confess our sins. You know what that means? Look here. To confess your sins means you agree with God about the matter of your sin. Some people think that confessing your sins is saying this, I'm sorry. That's not confession. Confessing your sins means you agree with what God has said about your sin. Stop making excuses. Like, well, you know, God, I'm an alcoholic. I've got a problem. I can't help it. No, no, no. I'm a drunkard. That's what the scripture says. Ooh, that sounds a little bit too harsh. And you know, I, you know, I've been a little bit loose with my behavior instead of I'm a fornicator. Instead of calling it as the scriptures say and agreeing with God about my sin, we try to lighten it, don't we? Make it a little bit easier, a little bit easier to swallow. But when you really get down to business with God and you confess your sins before Him, there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. There is mercy tonight. The Bible says that His mercies are new every morning, that today He will forgive you if you humble yourself and come to Him. The last verse, really, that we'll look at tonight is verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Do you know what the natural response is to your sins being purged away? Do you know what it is? Now, I'm going to step on some toes. Look here. Let me step on your toes tonight. The natural response, if your sins have been purged, is for your ears to perk up and for you to hear God say, who am I going to send? Who's going to go for me, for us? The natural response, if your sins have been purged, is for you to say, here am I. Send me. I'll go. But do you know what we do? We want to take the forgiveness of God. We want to take the, the purging of our sins away. Give me God. Give me mercy. Give me grace. Give me love. But we never want to give. We never want to serve Him. We never want to volunteer. We don't want to do anything for God. We just want to take from God. And I'm telling you tonight, the natural response, if your sins have been washed away, is for you to eagerly say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Not because you're worthy, not because you're something special, but because he is worthy and he is special. And your sins have been washed away and the least you can do is serve him to the day you die. So Christian, if your sins have been purged, will you say, here am I, send me? Maybe tonight your sins have not yet been purged. Maybe they haven't been washed away. You're still living in your sins. 
then I suggest to you to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. God says in the book of Isaiah, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. There's coming a time when you will never be able to repent again. Are you listening? It's coming a time when you'll never be able to turn from your sins again. If God tonight is speaking to you, harden not your heart, the scripture says. Call upon the Lord while he is near. And I believe that today is the day of salvation. Would you bow your head with me, please? Father, we thank thee that thy word clearly tells us of our condition. We give thanks as we look into this book, which is like a mirror. We see our own sins and faults. And I pray that tonight we may look a little further than our sins and see the Savior who bled and died for those sins, who shed his blood to wash away those sins. And may tonight, may there be one who is brought to repentance to humble themselves and perhaps even shake tonight like the doorpost shook. May they experience the washing away of all their sins. I pray for the believer who has had their sins washed away. Help us tonight to eagerly and quickly raise our hands to say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. May we be willing to give our lives in service to Thee. May we be willing to give every breath we have in proclaiming the gospel message in warning sinners of the judgment that is to come. Help us, we pray. Continue moving in our hearts, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.